0: Coming up next, former head writer of Saturday Night Live, Jim Downey.
1: Do you know when Crystal Pepsi was discontinued, what was in Al Capone's vault, or which famous meteorologist is Lenny Kravitz's second cousin? If not, then you haven't spent enough time on Wikipedia. But that's okay, because you can learn it all on the new podcast WikiHole from Smartless Media. Discover the craziest rabbit holes on Wikipedia with host Darcy Cardin and her favorite comedian friends as they bring the cyber frontier directly to your tympanic membrane. And if you listen to WikiHole, you'd learn that's the sciency term for eardrum. Wikihole is a hyperlink roller coaster, starting out on one Wikipedia page and then going from link to link to link to link, careening through trivia, oddities and unexpected connections until everyone wonders, "How the hell did we get here?" Follow Wikihole on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Wikihole ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.
0: Okay, before we get to the great Jim Downey, we just uh David uh who's was very close with Norm McDonald. would like to say a few words about his memorial.
2: Yeah, David? Norm, uh, Dana, thank you. We uh, went to a memorial, and I'm only bringing this up because Downey's on today, and mm-hmm. um, we did an intro for him, but I just wanted to do because I just went to this thing. And it was supposed to be more of a celebration. You know, it was kind of a funeral. We never had a funeral for Norm, so it was like a good way to everyone get in the same room. I think it was called a normal but I thought that wasn't too catchy and they shouldn't trademark it. Uh, it's not catchy like Toyota-thon, you know what I mean? So we had, it was supposed to be like a light hearted thing, but you know, those things do get heavy. Yeah. No matter how, how fun you want it to be and no matter how much no one would have wanted it to be light. Um, and so we all gathered. The only interesting thing was it was... I think they're doing some sort of documentary for Netflix because it was filmed. And that's, you know, they wanted me to speak and that's harder when people are filming it, as you know, because it's, it's a serious thing and it's embarrassed. It's hard to speak anyway in front of people. And mm-hmm. uh, the funny part, you know, so Conan went up, he kind of hosted it. The audience was peppered with like, you know, SNL people, writers, comedians, David Tell, Bill Murray from SNL, mm-hmm. Sandler. Conan, I—I I mean, any Smigel, all these people are everywhere. So, a little intimidating, but all friends. And Dana, I don't know if I told you this. So, Conan speaks. He brings up Lori Joe, who's yeah. Norm's right hand man, mm-hmm. been with him forever. Uh, she's the greatest. She set the whole thing up. Ted Sarando's had COVID. He couldn't come, and, and he's the biggest fan of this whole thing. So when I by the time uh, Downey spoke, and he was great, and then. I went up to speak and there's stairs going up there and Conan goes to shake my hand. I wipe out in front of everyone on my face. Uh, I don't even do any jokes. I don't go, uh, not funny, Norm. You know, I didn't say anything. I just said, got up, went to the stage, Mm -hmm. did my little speech, four minutes, got off. And then a couple of people, Molly (laughs) Shannon, a lot of people spoke kneeling. And then we went, we were sequestered to another room another whole building where six of us watched his special. That was the interesting part. So he did a special day me Dana. about that.
0: What was it? How did, how did his special happen?
2: Norm? So you know how I used to do those nonologues uh, during Corona where I'd sit at my desk. It was like mm-hmm. that. He was had a microphone in his hand and Laurie Joe was filming him and he just said, you know, I keep trying to do my special, but he was getting weaker, which we didn't know. And they kept shutting down theaters and they wouldn't let him go. And then- he goes, I'm just going to run it once, just kind of say it out loud. And then he never got to shoot it. So they said, let's use that and kind of make a documentary. So six of us watched it. Mm-hmm. So he just weird. in his
0: room with Laurie Joe, with yeah. the mic going. No right? audience, yeah.
2: no nothing. nothing. Yeah, Even even speaking at the funeral memorial, it's very hard when there's like a dolly shot, you know, when you're talking and it's like, push in, he might cry. No, no, I'm not crying at this part. <laughs> that okay, is, that pull, is back, pull back, pull <laughs> back. Yeah. It's, it's just definitely something, you know, they filmed the comedy store with Bob Saget. I thought that was just odd because mm-hmm. I think people at home don't know when you make fun of someone at something like that as a comedian, they probably think it's very mean, but it's all of us just lightheartedly making fun of Norm, also saying something sad, you know, whatever. So here we are watching the special, Dana, and uh, very interesting, it's about almost an hour He's got classic Norm stuff. Some's a very rough, you know, where people would be offended, which is good. And mm-hmm. some stuff just really kills. And some stuff he meanders. But, you know, he hasn't had a chance to polish it or anything. It's just, no, hey, I'm going to run through it. So it's not really, we were discussing that. Would this work in a crowd? Yes. But Norm has his, for what he does, it was perfect. They, they're they're going to really like it. And we talked about it, discussed about mostly everything was just positive of course and uh and did excited you, to be a witness to that
0: did you ever get like a, a wave of just the surrealness of it or a wave of like sort of it's just so strange to see your friend you know knowing i definitely gone. cried it, yeah you know, i definitely cried
2: like i i didn't at the uh at the memorial but that one he starts talking about his mom and you're watching a guy. And this is the last time I've seen him because I've seen him before that, but it was right before Corona. So I haven't seen him and he looks a little different, you know, and he's a little gaunt and, and then you hear him talk and, and he was pretty sharp. I mean, it wasn't like, he was smoother than my special. Like he never looked down. I'm like, does he have a set list? What is he looking at? How does he know what's coming up? There was like, no, maybe they added tightened it up. But yeah. So definitely worth seeing and then we talked and then you know we had that Adam Sandler taping after that so which is coming up soon so it was a long day Sandler was in there too and uh and we I, I just thought it was interesting and I thought people should know we finally got to have something for Norm we never talked about it ever I never talked about it and um I'm glad I'm glad I got to see it but it was a little bit of a crier at times you know
0: I always like to think when someone's gone that they're still here. I kind of hear their voice in my head sometimes, and I think yeah. what they would say about everything. I don't know. I just
2: I'm <laughs> I in denial about people being gone. <laughs> and 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 also in the last two years when I haven't seen him or a lot of people, you just re- you just think they're out there. You just don't see him. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, like you'll run into him. And with Norm, you're you're just thinking if Norm was alive, he wouldn't want to be here because <laughs> it's just it's an odd situation. <laughs> And it's mm-hmm. hard to be at those things, and uh, but anyway, listen to the uh, keep listening, guys. We're gonna keep talking. Here's our intro to Downey, and then Downey talks a lot about working with Norm. He was very tight with him.
0: Yes, there was a lot of very interesting stuff regards
2: Norm with uh, Mister Jim Downey. Jim Downey. Jim Downey. James Downey. Yep. My boss. Your boss, right? Uh, in a sense, yeah. He was collaborator. <laughs> Oh, he great he was my
0: writer boss. <laughs> he was david's boss yeah david only david's contracts would be in seven to ten day increments <laughs> seven to ten minutes i had one that
2: i had a 12-year contract <laughs> but God, david remember, would be phil got a three-year one i was shitting they go we're gonna give you th-. they give him like phil? two years three million bucks or something for phil, phil? phil hartman when when he re-upped when he did the very his last
0: year he, he did his initial five because yeah. and then I think he went because he had power to, to do it i think you might have gone but he stayed Good lord no i only i only kick because david's always self-deprecating
2: about his time on the s yeah well what happened was they were calling the summer and say if you got picked up again and you didn't know so i'd have to lug my fucking mattress out of my apartment get out of my apartment yeah cancel it come to la and stay in my other when I shared with someone, and then they'd hire me back, and I go, "Fuck, just tell me I'm hired, so I don't have to stress the fuck out, and I have to fly all the way back and get in a It's like I wasted even more money and time. So.
0: I remember that because at the party, you'd say sometimes to Lauren Michaels, "Hey, I'll see you Monday at the meeting." Lauren goes, er, "Perhaps," <laughs> <laughs> and that was chilly. And I'd pull Lauren aside and go, "Lauren, come on. I mean,
2: David's really funny. We should just sign him up for at least two weeks." I go, "Who's the host Monday?" He goes, mm, "We'll see if you'll know." I go, why? Well, because you might not need to know.
0: Where should I sit in the Monday meeting room? Should I be up on the couch or should I just go Indian style on the floor? Um, you can decide later. Uh, Marcy, you would make room for David. I don't know if we Is have. Is it Michael room.
2: Keaton? Who told you that? I go, well, Lauren, I'm on the show. I have to write for him. Do you? (laughs) I go, well, I work here, right? Do you? (laughs) Do you?
0: David's (laughs) going through that thing of like, am I really on the show or not? (laughs) And he just sort of hangs around the soda machine.
2: Um, We should have him removed from the premises. Exactly. It was tough out there. So every year I'd get picked up and I I never got more than a one-year pickup. So it was tough. (laughs) So Jim Downey. Jim Downey, great, great, big writer. We didn't say this. Head writer... He he did first five years of SNL, then he went and did the started Letterman for five years. So two monster shows in there, and then heyday. he returns to SNL yeah. as the head writer
0: when I arrived. Yeah, and uh, he was head writer for like eleven years. Then he wrote he wrote update with Norm Macdonald stuff like that. He wrote. He has a great resume. He's like this big presence at SNL that maybe some of you aren't as familiar with. So this will be a little different flavor. We do all kind. Of, a lot of people go, just go with huge stars. I go, guess what fans? We're going to have some real no. writers. We're going to have people down in the bowels of De- 30 Remember Rock. Dennis
2: said he's one of the, he's the second most important person in the history of us now. He is. There's Lauren and then there's Jim being such a big powerhouse writer and forming the type of writing we're doing. I had to go to, I had to run by stuff. Stuff by him all the time and it was very hard to get his attention because the head writer is pulled in every direction so everyone is trying to get a hold of the head writer to punch up their thing yeah yep. and he did all those Letterman bits at the beginning so he's he's great and uh, he's kind of a recluse and he didn't know how to do Zoom so uh, it's great we uh, got him on to talk he never Zoomed never been on a podcast never
0: listened to a podcast yeah <laughs> that's true right <laughs> so he broke the seal on three things
2: in, in our little episode Time with Jim. Yeah. Anyway, so I got another joke. Should I waste it here? Okay.
1: Yeah, oh, no, no, Daniel get don't mad at this, one.
2: this is just a joke. Okay. Okay. So here's how you could. Here's if a girl's having an orgasm. <laughs> if they, if they're having a medium one, they say. Heather, back me up on this. They say, "Oh my, oh my, oh my," and if they're having a really good one. They go, oh God, oh God, oh God, and if they're not having one, they go, oh Dana, oh Dana. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, so I put you in into the it. room. Yeah, I'm the guy. Why? Well, I, I heard this from reliable sources that when David is getting with a woman Frisky. and he has an orgasm, he screams his own name.
2: God damn it, David. David! Who told you that? That's why I do it in this room. It's soundproof. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's funny. You just, when you hear these things, you go, well, how many orgasm verbal jokes do I have
2: in my I head? Know. That's the only one I remember. That's the only I just heard it because someone did it to me. So I had to do it to you. Even though you're a happily married man, I just said, this is funny. I'll, do, I'll use Dana.
0: I was, first I laughed. Then I was kind of delighted. Then I was offended. This is all within mm-hmm. three tenths of a second. Then I thought, I'll come back with my yeah. Screams his own name. Yeah. And now we're even. Well, what are we talking even Stephen. I hate to be named Stephen.
2: Even Stephen. Oh, that would be the worst. <laughs> God, what a fucking nightmare name to have. Now we got Downey. So, Downey, sorry we went off track there, but that was a fucking real winner. Jim
0: Downey, got. a very interesting person. You could give him any subject in the world and leave the room. He literally goes to libraries at Yale, goes in and just reads.
2: You what know? a nerd.
0: <laughs> what a nerd! What a ne- what a genius nerd! Hey, what are you reading, nerd? <laughs> I'm reading agricultural manifestation, early colonial. Times. That sounds nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> Half the people there are Harvard and Yale and yeah, Cambridge.
2: We were kind of, i was was—they're all I, a bunch of nerds. I wanted to ask him; he thought I was stupid when I joined because I went to Scottsdale Community College, but. I think he never answered the question, so I think that's a yes.
0: You didn't know what Manifest Destiny was, and I remember they just, the writers would get in a room, they'd laugh for hours. Hubert Spade
2: didn't know what (laughs) Manifest Destiny was. Oh, I know. I'd (laughs) walk around with a thesaurus, mostly for Dennis. All right, so Jim Downey's going to talk, and you're going to listen. So do it. Dana, we're going to put a pin in that story. <laughs> D- Downey, my boss, Robert Downey Jr.'s uncle. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Let's just say so. Is that
3: real? Let's. That's. We've agreed. Everyone. All parties have agreed. That's the official line. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um. I'm related to Philip Carvey from from uh, East Toronto, but there's no pizzazz to that. No, there's only five Carveys in North America. You've never met
3: another Carvey, I, have I you? Absolutely, have never met another Carvey. But only you, weren't five. you weren't you born in Montana? Yes. Okay. See, I That's remember. My home I remember state. things. I know because so, people Spade, think I'm
0: Canadian.
3: David made out of out of the Phoenix area. Easy
2: Scottsdale. Yeah. Easy. Yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah. She's, what a memory.
2: You know, uh, Dan. <laughs> Dana, Jim, uh, when I got hired, Jim is was my, the head writer of SNL. He's got a million credits we'll get to. But just quickly, when I got hired with mm-hmm. Schneider, we. I think, Jim, you walked us through, you know. Uh, you had to walk us and say, here's your legal pad. Here's a wooden desk um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that <laughs> I thought two jokes <laughs> would come from. But I had to come up with them. And you go, and then you sit at this desk and stare at that white wall, and you sit at that one. And... Um, and We're going to uh, go from there. So, uh, and that and was every, it.
3: everything I told you was true. <laughs> oh, that was true. That was no a desk. more than the truth.
2: <laughs> yeah, no one went like overboard with with uh, what to do there. Well,
3: Jim,
0: Jim came over to my office after that and said, "I told him, I told him, good, like you said." <laughs> anyway, that's that's inside baseball. But uh, Jim and I had a kind of an inside joke about newcomers. Totally kidding.
3: It was part of the hazing. We all had to go through it except me because I. You know, it was started in there. So you were the original
0: hazer at Harvard. Did yeah. you ever get pink bellied at Harvard?
3: Um, pink bellied, no. We, you know, most of the brutal stuff, the, the caning and the paddling had been phased out, <laughs> but uh,
0: <laughs> I always thought it was an insane practice of just this psychosocial, homoerotic hazing that would happen in men's dorms. I just yeah. thought, no, no,
3: thank you. Kissing the Gunner's Daughter, it was called. Mm. Really? Oh,
0: God. I didn't want to to know. And that was a (laughs) blowjob. That sounds more illicit than anything (laughs) you've ever said
3: in your life. Yeah, none of that's true.
2: I was at the ASU. I was at ASU gym, which is a college. It's not Harvard. You had Frank
3: Cush running your
2: I had Frank (laughs) Cush knocking people around, (laughs) and uh, I was getting hazed with – they spray-painted a number on you, and you had a – run around at four in the morning and, and uh, bring everyone a river rock and then do shots. And then they put oil and uh, paprika on me. And when they push this button, they sprayed on you. You had to say something they tell you to say. Um, I was a little bit of a follower at the time, I feel. I wasn't really a leader. Uh, and I did it. And then I finally had to quit because uh, I go, this isn't getting me as much as I thought it would out of life.
3: at <laughs> all went just A river rock. Is that? What is that?
2: Well, when you're. This is great. You're listening to the whole story and you pick something you like out of it. River rocks are, there's rivers uh, in Arizona that are by Arizona State and they don't ever have any water in them. So it's mostly rocks. And at the bottom, there's little smooth rocks from the uh, flooding and rivers and what we have. So you just have to climb down the river, grab them, and then carry them in a bucket. They're super heavy. And the idea is... It's a fucking drag. I think that's the idea.
3: See, I thought here, I thought River Rock had to be code for something filthy or illicit. Or yeah. Yeah. For That's yeah. the way
0: your mind thinks.
3: That's the end. sadly. <laughs> I'm sorry. The creative mind. Now I feel I owe I owe the entire state of Arizona an apology for that. And especially Arizona State University <laughs> and the Sun Devils. Yeah, I love Our Arizona Station.
0: Yeah, should we should we go a little bit? Like, I don't know how much we can't cover the life of Jim Downey, but no. we can say he was a very very young man out of Harvard and was hired to write on Saturday Night Live with the original cast.
3: That's right. Yeah, that's fair, right? That's the known more than the truth. Bill Murray and I were hired the same week, so we um, were put in an office together and. Uh, Stayed there for Jesus Yeah How cool What would your thoughts Do you remember
0: like Okay To me Bill Murray Was always so intimidating I really like him But he just kind of scared me Was he Was he always Like an intimidating figure Because of his confidence Or
2: something right And would he know you If he saw you today (laughs) Would he remember I'm sure that he would old know me. Roommate? I'm sure. Okay. Oh, no, they're I'm very kidding. good
3: friends. I know. They're very,
2: very <laughs> I just want to bust his balls. He
3: actually, I, I know what you're saying. In terms of comedy, he is, he's not, uh, you know, he can be a little intimidating. You know, there's some people who instantly, they want to sort of join in. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's sort of the in, invitations always there to, hey, let's, let's, you know, goof around. Mm-hmm. And Billy mm-hmm. is is not, he's more like in life, he's a super friendly person. You know, mm-hmm. he's a guy who yeah. you walk down the street with him and, and, and he'll talk to everyone except like celebrity, you know, paparazzi or stalkers. He's some, he has a really good sense of when someone's just a real person and someone's <laughs> a pro, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I had a front row seat on the 40th. Anniversary. I was waiting to do Chop and Broccoli at the piano. It was that medley, and I'm just sitting there. And then Bill comes out and he does a song on this, and it practically stole the show. His commitment was so extreme. I told him afterwards, it really was making me well, laugh.
3: You know, there's a story behind that. Is the oldest piece I've ever been involved with, from from conception to actual production. That mm-hmm. goes back to the fall. Like to like 1977, that wow. Billy Billy would sing a fragment. He would sing the fragment like Jaws, get away from me, Jaws, <laughs> that thing. And yeah. then I was always obsessed with with getting that on the show. And so when the 40th anniversary thing came up i i i said look i want to complete that that song i want to write the you know make it a song (laughs) and so i I came up with the part about you know um the the, um and now jaws you found someone new tell me jaws you know uh what am i supposed to do am i not enough for you You (laughs) and then so we we added that and Paul Schaefer came up with the tagline, you bastard jaws as the final thing. And then <laughs> yeah. we, um, and so I was so obsessed with getting that on. I'd never like push something harder. And Billy was sort of, okay, whatever, if you think, cause it had never, we'd never done anything with it ever oh, in funny. all those years. But every few years I would, I would bring it up and say, God, that's, that should be, that should appear somewhere. And then, when the time came to do the anniversary i had already sort of um i was singing the song and pitching it to uh maya rudolph and um i guess i guess amy poehler was in on it probably um, yeah uh, and and um emily spivey who was a great Mm -hmm. writer who who of a younger generation who who worked on that that whole sequence and then Mm -hmm. but billy was doing the pebble beach Pro-Am golf tournament, and he, he would not, that thing ended well, that's, the night that's right. before. So he would not hear of leaving early. He not only had oh, to stay that. for his part, yeah. but he he absolutely refused to duck out of it before it was officially over. So I think our thing was a Sunday night, right? It mm-hmm. had to be, right? Yeah. That's when they so do those. Very minimal so, rehearsal. So yeah. the, the tournament ended like some kind of ceremony Saturday evening. Mm -hmm. And so that was the earliest he would consider leaving. So we had to get a private jet form or anything. But he he made it. He slept. He arrived in the hotel Sunday, which David Spade paid for. I was (laughs) really knocked out. And then and then Billy, like, slept for an hour in his hotel room. Mm -hmm. And then we got him to NBC, did the one and only rehearsal with Paul Schaefer up, believe it or not, in our old office upstairs. How it fun. just happened to be, and then uh, with Emily Spivey was there, and then um, mm-hmm. and then we went down, and then by the way, I happened to wander through and check cue cards because uh, I just you know by by habit, and someone had changed, had taken out you bastard.
2: Oh. <laughs> And
3: and yes, and not not because it's dirty, but because it, it's offensive to people whose parents didn't bother to get married or something. Jesus. So, really? So, and okay. I was like, no one had run that by me, and they also wouldn't let him say "got you, goddamn jaws" because what? that supposedly is offensive to believing Christians. And so, yeah, I just said, you know what, I will take this on myself. It'll be my responsibility. So I just changed it back. And said, if they have a problem with it, they consume me. No one's going to complain. You will no not get one. one call, and they did not get any calls.
2: Who has the balls to paint over that Picasso? It's you and Bill Murray writing something, and you're like, let me take a swing at this. Well,
3: this, this is um, let me punch it. I ran into Emily <laughs> after the fact, and I said, Emily, what the what the hell was that? Where they? She said, Oh yeah, they just told me we couldn't do that, and I said, No, 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 you don't. I mean, no, 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 no. no. Yeah, they don't. A, you know,
0: it's afterwards. Then they kind of seem to let it go. Cause when I was doing the Italian waiters sketch with Victoria Jackson. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. And, uh, love and I, it, and I love put it. her I put her on a table and right. you know Vicky's so funny and light <laughs> her, her She is great. the most her,
3: game person ever. And was so that what she is for this And then
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. And then she puts her legs over her and I'm just talking and kind of moving. <laughs> and that was the dress show. It killed. And then the air show kind of pretending to get me, to, get to me was either Schneider or Steve Korn or Robert Smigel, kind of going, hey, don't, I didn't remember if they, I kind of chose to ignore them, yeah, and then I did it anyway, but you then chose we, ne- choosing we never heard a word. Yeah, That's your book, so.
3: Choose to Kill. Yeah. yeah, you're never, it's always gonna be on the performer. I know that that kind of mm-hmm. note was just there for like legal reasons or the equivalent to seven. And we told him, I gave him the note, but in fact, Something that funny, they're, they're not going to complain of about Of course. People that watch like the idiots. show
2: want that. You know, Jim, one time I think you were there. You were there my whole run, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, probably, but
3: yeah. I, but I by was, the way,
0: just as an insert, you were the head writer for 11 years? Well, 86 to 97? And, and yet, then let's get back to David's story. Technically. <laughs> 30 years.
3: Yeah, like, well, 85. Uh, I hate to say that. was not a, one of our better seasons, but 85 until through 95, Yeah. Okay,
2: so, David, what was your... I interrupt? was there. So, I was saying, in that, in that train of thought, when I did an update with Dennis, and he says, nice uh, I was doing an in and out list, what's in and what's out, yeah, and, yeah, I, yeah. and one of them was uh, uh, not enunciating so you can get stuff on the air in <laughs> going out and get some hussy. And, uh, <laughs> and then Andrew Brewer comes back, he, well, I see him in the hallway, he goes, No. No. And I go, it did good. And he goes, I didn't say it (laughs) It didn't do good. And he goes, you have to fix it. And he goes, if we're in the hallway behind the quick change by the page desk, and he goes, I go, come on, don't take this away. I got nothing. He goes, you can say hussy, but you can't say hussy. And I go, God damn it. So I go out there and and, and then I go, uh, I'm I'm scared because it's coming up in the bit. It's making me so nervous. And I go, go out after the show and get some hussy. And it killed. And Dennis goes, you're dead, dude. (laughs) <laughs> right when it went to commercial, he goes, you're fired. <laughs> because it killed too hard.
3: And then and he's over. Right. Right. They can't. Yeah. Um, it is it's over. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a matter of will. And then, you know, you will to victory. And then when you have victory, they can't touch you. They can't, yeah, if it um, bombs,
2: then there's a bigger problem.
3: If it bombs. But fortunately, we're not talking about that here.
2: We but don't like talk I about say, bombing. <laughs> yeah.
3: But I never now, heard. I never heard boo about the supposed. bomb. Um, Jim, did we
0: have a, the first censorship guy, was he like Mr. Clockworthy? Did I imagine that with a bow the tie? Very, no, the
3: very first guy who was great was a guy named Jay Otley, who was okay. had been literally a former male model. And he was like super, he looked like those guys in the 60s, like cigarette ads. Mm-hmm. He was just he was an extremely handsome yeah. man, very distinguished <laughs> middle-aged guy. And... Nothing bothered him at all. <laughs> he was the censorship Never. guy. For- he was just kind of. It didn't seem he, like you had one that first couple years. I mean, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember being told there was anything that we couldn't do. Awesome. Um, and Jay Otley was, oh, he was magnificent. I mean, everything would, he would just kind of. No, that's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> really? What no, was he great, there yeah. when
2: I was there? He's reporting
0: He's, to no, no one he really.
3: He wasn't, he wasn't. He was the first. He was uh he was like a super he was an out, out gay man. He was just incredibly right. uh just a, a super cool guy. He's like just uh you know he he you know he, like he struck me, he's like a Fred Astaire type you know just super elegant but had seen <laughs> wow. everything nothing bothered him it, it and then he was replaced by Bill Clotworthy i that remember that name number. i remember that name and bill and he had actually, a little bow
0: tie and he was very stern bill was
3: sweet. a little a little you know the we had rougher sledding with with mr clotworthy but he Was a decent guy. I mean, you could, you could, uh, he would hear your arguments. And then, um, well, Roz Wyman, she was head of standards. I remember having. I
2: remember her, yeah.
3: And and I remember, Dana, you remember this piece that I I wrote with with Tom and Tom Davis. It was the Pussy Whip Talk Show. Oh, yeah. And it was. And and he wouldn't let us. Yeah, we wouldn't. He wouldn't let us say. It was supposed to be pussy whipped. We had to end up with P whipped. And P again, whipped, I remember. And again, okay. it was not because of the word pussy, like da- right. David to, you know. To yeah. yeah. Pussy was thing. fine. It was the concept of pussy whipped was offensive. And I remember Roz Wyman saying to me as a woman. I find this entirely offensive. And that's when I figured out just like oh. bastard wasn't about bastard being a dirty word. It was by that time, it was a, a PC thing, you know, uh, by the time right. we are talking about yeah. the, 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 the 40th, 40th anniversary, but as far as, as far as pussy whipped, it was, it was an, it was, uh, you know, insulting to women, womankind, which I didn't really, I think all women, Understand the concept of being yeah. pussy with. <laughs> I don't. Totally. I don't think that was <laughs> well, you know. I
0: Clock, mean. <laughs> Clockworthy wouldn't let me say when I first did Church Lady. She had a couple penises in there. You're a penis. That kind of yeah. like sexually. I mean, he said no. So I I put in more stuff. I cut penis sure, and i put it throbbing weirder. engorged bulbous bulbous, bulbous low <laughs> and, and he got and is like well this is terrific
2: throbbing meat my muscle. throbbing
0: <laughs> satan stick bulbous yeah. and engorged he goes i love this just don't say really penis. wow well it's even dirtier it in
2: a weird
3: way much dirtier way. Yeah, much yes. more pornographic but, but i also i also thought you were you were you were going for the oldest trick of the book which even the NBC <laughs> standards department figured out after a while, which was you <laughs> load it up with cannon fodder that you're, that you can trade away. Oh, you get right. rid of stuff. Yeah, yeah, Why you, you, did you, you, you write stuff that you, you don't even want, but, but it's, it's there you're, just so you barter. have something to, to, to yeah. yeah. And then, it's then you, like you, you kind act like it's like go, sailors. On. It's like sailors bringing trinkets to trade with the natives, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, anyway, You'll get this
2: slinky for this 18 acres of land. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: What's well, like politicians? The bill's gonna cost 700 trillion. Yes. And then you go, well, could it be 20 trillion? Well, okay. Look Not what right, I gave up.
3: Busting yeah. my balls, but yeah. Which president my balls. was that, Dana?
2: That's the only president that wasn't an opinion. I was a, a, a actually oppression. trying
0: to do. I only do Bernie Sanders as a crosswalk. Guard. Okay. Don't proceed. Don't proceed. The system is rigged. Don't proceed. No. But I was trying to think of Bernie like that. It's Six trillion dollars. I'll give you three trillion back. What the fuck is going on? Love uh,
2: anyway, um uh, Oh wait, by the way, when you worked with Billy Murray, you didn't have to pee in a bottle in your dressing room like some people at the show, did you?
3: Um, I don't recall doing that just for fun, I think Yeah, um,
2: <laughs> one of our cast members did during my years
3: In a bottle?
2: Yeah, and just oh, left a bunch of bottles in his room
0: Oh, it must have been Mr. Christopher Farley No,
2: it actually wasn't Farley Oh, it
0: wasn't Farley? No, I'm, Wait was Wait a minute He would only shit out the window no, for fun
2: <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he did wipe his butt with a USA Today once when we were, uh, I guess it was right before read-through <laughs> We love Chris, he's the greatest he, and he doesn't even take his pants off. You know, Downey, he uh, he was, um, I know you loved him. He um, he had, he would, when he found Belushi's pants and wardrobe, you know, they, they the wardrobe was so ex- extensive there and they would give him pants and for his size, they would dig back and he would just look in and it would see in there written Belushi and he'd oh, that's go, right. oh yeah, my God, have. these are fucking Belushis. And then he'd put them on and then even if they gave him different pants, he would put them under his pants. No kidding, because it wow. was like good luck. He, yeah,
3: he was so obsessed.
2: Yeah, he loved Belushi. Jim. Oh,
3: obsessed man. The, with him. Yeah. The experience of giving John Belushi notes was always <laughs> okay. Now, yeah. I'm on yeah, let's trick. get to Tell that. Us. Okay. There we go. That's, he that's he what we would, want um, to hear. We would go in in like a team, you know, and uh
4: <laughs> Frank <laughs> to
3: trick him. and Frank and you know Frank is famously blood, impervious he, to yeah, to yeah, manners and sensitivity and everything. Mm-hmm. And so he he was always good, like shock troops, you know, to like yeah. he was the bombing that, yeah. that, that delayed that the happened, ground that happened <laughs> yeah. before we let, came Soften in with the troop, the battle the troop carriers. Yeah. And so and then I was usually the first wave in, you know, dancing through the minefields and he'd be in Belushi, be sitting there staring, you know, sort of solemnly in his dressing room. And I'd go like and then knock, you know, hey, John, um, hey, yeah, on this thing, uh, you know, I mean it's great. It's great with you, and it was and then he'd instantly start um uh in that and it was it was experience. I had I had a um a friend of mine who who visited the show one time and Belushi and Danny had done the Blues Brothers as a warm-up, which that's how it began. They warmed up. You know the audiences and then right and then th- then they just you know decided we're going to do this big time and anyway he was and that was and at that time that was all the blue really cared about it seemed um and and so he he was what he he lived for nothing more than compliments about the blues brothers and so my friend <laughs> my friend who was who was he was incapable of not being completely honest, however insane it was in a situation. So we were he was sitting with me at the party. He was a friend from high school. And um, and, and 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 I said, hey, John, uh, the Blues Brothers. Awesome. That was awesome. Once he goes, hey, thanks, man. And my friend just goes, you need to time <laughs> your heart. Uh, you need to time your singing better with Ackroyd's uh harmonica
2: oh boy the and plus goes, one
3: and literally goes what did you say says, i Girl. said i said you need to time your singing better with <laughs> as though he hadn't heard it you know <laughs> with, with akroyd's heart playing and so he goes there was nothing wrong with the timing of my singing with with akroyd oh yeah there was yeah there was <laughs> so wow it, it went who on are you there. bringing yeah that's ballsy for no he for just anybody. didn't understand he was like he Thought was, was unsocialized he was
2: like musically what if you want to get it perfect he's like it's working i, I wouldn't worry about it
3: <laughs> by the way
2: one of us is tapping you. the desk dane is I'm that sorry, you i'm sorry that was me that was oh, okay. me okay we'll I'm keep sorry. an eye on that it's all right we can I start over i just
0: said to him lou i love everything <laughs> about that bit the whole singing the blues part, I'm not at key. T- take it away from the blues. Don't sing, yeah. but just talk about... Sorry, go ahead.
3: But, <laughs> one of the reasons um, Belushi and I... Got, I got along much be- probably better with Belushi than any of the other writers because he was from Wheaton, Illinois. And I had cousins who <laughs> Belushi knew who lived in Wheaton. And that was essentially it. So it was like... I was like his cuz. So he would he would talk to me. And of course, you know, all of the writers got on great with Dan Aykroyd. So, but he, Sweet he was heart. not nice to the women at the show. I have to say, and, uh, um, Dan- John, Belushi. John, Belushi. John was great with everybody. Yeah,
2: Danny's a sweetheart. But
0: what, what would, would, Uh, Belushi ever, like, throw furniture or anything? Because he was so powerful on screen, you know. He was such a potent character. Did he ever do stuff backstage? I mean, you just think of him as a badass pirate and barely under control, but I never met him.
3: there was always this menace below the surface, but I never saw him. I never saw both Danny and and Billy, you know, were more... I I saw him, you know, get more physical. But John, I don't ever remember he just, but he would have this way of sort of glowering. And, um, but like I say, you know, he, yeah. when he, there's certain moments that were so Belushi that, uh, him, did you guys see, ever see the, um, him doing Mussolini at the, uh, it was the show we did from new Orleans where very little in that show actually worked, but all <laughs> the Belushi stuff did he, he was doing, we had a, one of those balconies, you know, there's, in the French mm-hmm. Quarter, yeah, There's that would make about- sense. And Lorraine yeah.
2: said, "Lorraine Newman said it was a shit show down there."
3: It was crazy. It was it was fun to do it, and it was you know we, I ate a lot of great restaurants, and and it was fun. I'd never been to New Orleans before, but the show itself was we couldn't communicate with each other. We were doing it at different locations all over the city, but Belushi did this this uh, Mussolini thing where it was just pure Belushi, and it was brilliant. And with it, with like a real like crowd below and he, he just had all the moves down. And he also yeah. did uh, uh, Michael O'Donoghue wrote this, this thing, um, the uh winner of the hit, hit Al Hurt in the mouth of the brick contest. And I, I don't know if you <laughs> the guys trumpet are
0: player. The trumpet player, <laughs> Al Hurt. See, this is something
3: you've got to be at minimum my age to know the actual reference. But Al Hurt was a famous New Orleans trumpet player. And one, one time somebody <laughs> threw a brick at him and hit him. At, so it's just Belushi playing trumpet like very nervously, like watching for the bricks coming. I can't <laughs> yeah, explain it. I love it. I invite you well, guys to check it Well, he would commit so, so it hard. It was in that show. Yeah, yeah. Um, Belushi would just commit like crazy.
2: Was he doing drugs no. during shows or you just catch it? Was it no, more an no. after?
3: No, no. He after a, party situation? I don't remember that ever interfering with it it was more when john was difficult it was more um it was more just attitudinal things that you know, i mean he did sort of he did when he got into music he i think he the show ceased to be his absolute top priority you
2: yeah know? i remember because sometimes drugs make people moody in quotes.
3: And sometimes with
2: Farley, (laughs) I go, I think you're being moody right now. (laughs) And I wish we could find where that's coming from. Uh, I wish we could trace it back to something. Uh, But I remember that uh, I I could imagine that John, by the way, I don't care if John did drugs during the show. I mean, the shows are funny and they stand up as like, you know, my, my whole childhood is based on it. It's the fucking greatest. So, I don't give a shit, but if people can do their job, I think drunk is harder to deal with when people are uh, – you deal with people well, drunk,
3: that try to perform. Well, can, can makes you slurrier and yeah. slower on, on. – You're not
0: nailing shit. Yeah, yeah, I did Robert Downey Jr. Not – wait a minute. Who was the guy who was the incendiary talk show in New Jersey – Morton, Down, Downey. Morton Downey. Morton Downey. Downey. Yeah. Sorry. Morton Downey Jr. was <laughs> coming he, on church. He is chat. in no
3: way related. Okay, go on.
0: <laughs> no way related. And I think he's gone to the stars, but he was really in the tank. I mean, it was
3: Oh, that's right. I forgot he was so that he nervous. was on the show. Yeah, but He came, came on
2: church chat. Yeah. He was like a Jerry Springer for the audience. He was like one of yeah, the first yeah. like really incendiary fucking hosts yeah. that got everyone but, riled but up.
0: Drunk and sketch comedy. That's tough. I mean, that's yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not terrified. saying there.
3: Yeah. I, well, you guys are, are would know better than I, but I would think that it would be impossible if you're alone in front of an audience to be drunk. You'd have to have a very weird kind of act, to me. No,
2: I've definitely, I've had a few uh, cordials before I go on stage sometime. Really, it's just the pressures of life, and um, so you get it. So I I go on there. I saw
3: the documentary. Have a few on me. (laughs) (laughs) You have a lot of heartache to swallow.
2: The dark side of buh-bye Did you see that?
3: (laughs) that's the one that's
2: the one <laughs> so I'd have a few uh, knocks as my dad would say and then mm-hmm. uh, but sometimes you're off your game a little bit you're right there's a, there's a fine line between hey I'm feeling good and then like fuck what joke is that? I don't even remember I'm in the middle of a joke I don't know what's going on so Toyota's national sales event is happening now meaning it's a great time for a great deal on a dependable Toyota truck like the Tundra workhorse by nature Powerhouse by Design combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully designed Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating
0: power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals. All new Toyotas come with Toyota Care, a no cost maintenance plan. See your dealer or visit buyatoyota.com for details. Let's go places.
2: We all love uh, Norm. And uh, this OJ situation on update that people have asked me was was Norm leaving? Was it. A direct result because you were, I think you're writing for update with him, right? He oh, yeah. was
4: kind Absolutely. of the producer yeah,
3: was, and co-writer with Norm. Yeah, you guys
2: yeah. were like locked in a room doing it. That that was all yeah. you guys.
3: Yeah. Norm on Update was my one of my successful projects at the show it was one that I and it was entirely my he was my candidate um in a very crowded field because the network had determined that Kevin they were not going to give Kevin another chance. I personally oh, thought Kevin, yeah, Kevin Nealon had been doing update from the time Dennis left and um, uh, I personally, uh, you know, Neil Nisi Bonham about, you know, the dead. But the uh, um, Herb Sergeant was not doing Kevin any favors the way he was running update. And huh. and it was hard to sort of t- to get to get help to Kevin because you know it had, he,
2: her, it had to go through her
3: had to go through herb and herb was sort of like ran interference and wouldn't know l- oh, yeah. get through and everything so
2: he didn't I, love my update pieces either
3: I, and so i i um felt like the second week i met norm that he would be a perfect guy if kevin you know left the show or anything that and so when when the network announced you know it was all my nope. no no, no. neilan's out. He's dead. He's gone. Forget about it. Not happening. <laughs> so that started this thing where there were several different candidates, but Norm was my guy and it sort of, he wasn't initially the favorite, but he sort of survived. And, and um, so as far as the OJ stuff is, is, is concerned um, that if you remember the murders by persons as yet unknown happened in June of 1994, which mm-hmm. is when we were having this meeting out in L.A., which, by the way, ended. It was I was summoned out for the first time to have a, a notes meeting with uh, as you know head writer slash producer of the show. And um, Lauren and I were out there at the NBC headquarters and it was. Don Ohlmeyer and uh, Rick Ludwin and uh, Warren Littlefield. I think Bernie Brillstein was in the meeting. I'm pretty sure. Oh, and um, tell so they me. were And Ohlmeyer. They were very unhappy with the show because the ratings had dropped. And I thought it was we were on like a sugar high the year before that in ninety two ninety three 93 from the Wayne's World movie, you know, that so we had the political political yeah, and campaign. we had the debates and yeah, stuff and yeah. so the ratings dropped all' be albeit to a rating number that they would they would die for Kill today. For. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 but but anyway so they were taking they were giving us their notes on what they didn't like and everything and um I had gone there um my marriage was falling apart because of the, the the time at the show and stuff and so I kind of I, w- I was sort of feeling like, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. So my attitude was, I'm not going to do anything to save my job. I'm not going to beg or plead or <laughs> agree to any take. You know, I'm oh, going to just tell them what I think. And and if they don't like it, it'll it's just as six and one to me if I get fired or not. And in the end, that sort of backfired because I heard <laughs> later like, Oh, was impressed by your moxie. He did, which is not, <laughs> not the intention, but anyway, so they were talking about update and they just said, and Kevin had to go. I would never have put, I would never, I love Kevin. I still love him. He's he was one of our, it's he was a great favorite discover. with the writers. Yeah. And you I could just, have helped I thought, Kevin. I, I could have, I thought if, if they had been willing to keep Kevin, but get rid of Herb, I think that we could have turned that thing around, but, um, but anyway, that was not the that was not the option available. So anyway, but the meeting, the meeting ended only because visiting hours were starting at L.A. County and and Omeyer had to go visit O.J. Wow. That's why that meeting ended wow. finally, mercifully. And so then when the fall came, uh, there's not a whole other story with how Norm came to be the guy. But but Norm is doing update. And I told him at the beginning, I said, look, I don't mean anything. Not nothing about her, but attempts have been made in the past to to, to help people doing update, and that her blocked all efforts to because he got you know was threatened and territorial and everything. And so, I told Norm like, look, we're not we're not going to fuck around. We're not going to let Herb do to you what he did to Kevin. And and so you can have your Herb meeting, but you got to have a later one with me because we're not I'm not, I'm not fucking around this time. It's too important. And, and, mm-hmm. and in North say, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. You know? So, so <laughs> what, would happen is we first of all, opened the piece up for the first time to lots and lots of writers. So you suddenly got a lot more writers contributing yeah. and, and then we would just overrule decisions that Herb made until, and Herb never, I never even had a conversation with Herb about it. And we just, and so, but the basically, so to answer your original question, um, the way Norm came to be fired was we just did the OJ jokes because they were funny. It wasn't, none yeah. of us had remember, a hard yeah. on for OJ or anything, but, but it was, he was in the news every funny.
2: fucking day too. Like there's, you can't, you can't avoid it.
3: Yeah. And so luckily the timing couldn't have been better. You know, the trial opened just before we went on the air. <laughs> we, uh, um and then the very next year, the fall of 95, the are the openings the week of the first show, the verdict came back. Mm. And so but anyway, um, he just the, the, every week I would hear occasionally from Lauren and I knew it was Olmeyer calling him to complain, but it was <laughs> Lauren would go like, how, how is it that you and Norm seem to be <laughs> the only people absolutely convinced of OJ's guilt? <laughs> and I would go like, Lauren, Lauren, come, <laughs> come on. on. Come on, you know, I think it's I think it's hurting us with black audience. And I said, first of all, we the have no black is audience. Very small. And second, no oh, and second, second, um, I think I think it could only help us because the you know black people know that that OJ did it. Come on, and so and so anyway. Finally, um, we did the first season of update, which was ninety four ninety five. Uh, that was the trial. The second mm-hmm. season. 95-96 uh, of Norm's Update. That was the aftermath of the trial and the civil trial, right? And then we threw in we threw in the 96, 97, the third season just for for shits and grins. You know, we continue to do it. So we did, I'm sure we did an OJ joke, at least one OJ joke oh, every yeah. every update show, yeah. For for from 94, 95, and 96. And then finally. The fall of 97, you know, that was Norm's fourth season and the season we were fired. Fall of 97.
2: <laughs> Package uh, deal. So we, there was
3: nothing to do. There was nothing to do about it. Would it would have felt like. You feel it's overkill. Something. Well, no, no. That no, part that's we liked. That, no, we liked the overkill. We always said. Of course. In fact, I, I heard this quote much later, but I wish I'd known it. Joseph Stalin. You know, Norm, someone I like comedy people don't normally quote. But yeah. Joseph Stalin said, quantity has a quality all its own. <laughs> and,
2: <laughs> well, was like that was like the that David has- Hasselhoff jokes too, yeah.
3: Yeah, that's right. Well, we love, and let me just finish. So, so, the, so we opened that season, the fall 97, right? Spring 98. We didn't do any OJ jokes. We didn't do any OJ jokes for the first eight shows. Wow. And then the Christmas, it was a long stretch of like, it was like the bombardment has stopped. And then suddenly, I think they stopped. They have stopped. <laughs> you know, it's it's peace in, in the valley. And then on the eighth show, we did two OJ jokes because there was the one thing about Latrell Sprewell. Remember, he was playing for the Knicks and he went nuts in a practice. He choked the he choked coach. P.J. Yeah. Carl, Carlissimo. Oh, choked, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we did a joke about Johnny, and he hired Johnny Cochran as his attorney. And mm-hmm. so we did a joke about it and Cochran has vowed to find the real choker. And then, then there was OJ. If you remember this one, OJ was in a restaurant in Brentwood and his presence was bothering some of the other patrons. So the, the manager of the restaurant said, uh, oh, Mr. Simpson, um, some of our, our customers, um, have, have um, their concern. And, and we were wondering if you would, if you wouldn't mind um, leaving. And so OJ sued the restaurant, but, but got something like 300 bucks, like a free dinner or something. So, so we did our joke was in addition, the restaurant must now set up uh, individual or separate murderer and non-murderer sections. <laughs> I know. And so, so OJ. So anyway, I'm, I'm at, so we did that. That was the Saturday show. Oh, a couple boy. of days later, I'm I'm in New Canaan visiting my little son. And the first thing I see is the sound was off on the TV and he's sitting in his high chair. And he was like, you know, two years old, I guess. And so mm-hmm. he looks up at the thing and there's there's Chris Farley. But with the sound off, he didn't know exactly what it was. He starts laughing hysterically just at the sight of Chris Farley. And <laughs> then the phone rings and it's Mike Shoemaker from the show. who's was a producer at the show. And he says a couple of things. Uh, Chris Farley's dead. And you and Norm uh, were fired. Wow! And so yeah, and so apparently, wow. and the, later, not and guess guess what? It was like three years later. Norm told me, and he had never said this to me because if it were positions were reversed, I would have said it right away. He said, "You know, they um they told me like it wasn't you know that they were only firing you that I was welcome to stay." And I said, "I won't. I won't do it without Downey." And so they said, "Okay, motherfucker, you know, be our guest." So that's how Norm came to be fired. He he went out of solidarity with me. So well,
2: I think it's probably smart because you made it. You guys together were really good. It probably would have.
3: He would have been. He would have been. He's great, but you know, um, you're great, right? Norm
0: ever bring a a joke to you or an idea that you that even you thought maybe went too far? Because he he did. Norm really. Norm, yeah, oh, yeah. There's, there's actually because well, oh, he he really would push the envelope,
3: you know. It so. was what see with Norm, he, he, even with me, like I'd occasionally, and you guys knew, yeah, knew I when, know. When Norm, you would tell, tell me in know. Hollywood
2: Minute, you'd say, "I dare you to do that." I'm like, I can't. I don't want to. <laughs> I got scared. But you're like, you're such <laughs> oh, a
3: pussy. I'm he like, would God love damn. that Hollywood. But, but when 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 you were dealing with Norm, he would he would occasionally like he would be in his. Canadian geezer mode, and you couldn't get him <laughs> out of it. He would just have to ride it out. You just have to go, okay, he's gonna be doing like, huh? I am sorry, I don't quite oh, that's right. I hear well, you, <laughs> but I, I don't understand you, you know, and yeah, that kind of thing. And normal. so he would, and so you have to go, okay, Norm, when you're ready to talk as Norm McDonald, I'm 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 here, you know. And but anyway, so sometimes he would come in with things where he was clearly joking and I would never take the bait. But one time (laughs) he had this joke, which there's not a lot of jokes that offend me. You know, They certainly don't offend me in the conventional Mm -hmm. ways, but they often offend me. It's just I think they're just terrible jokes. But Mm -hmm. this one kind of did in a way in that sense. But (laughs) he had this joke where it was, uh, well, Woody Allen is dating again. And it was the image of the. Naked Vietnamese girl running down the road after the oh, napalm attack. That
2: old photo. That old. Yeah, that stuff, old, yeah. that
3: famous old photo. And so my only reaction to that was like, Norm, come on, <laughs> <seriously>, you can't. <laughs> you what? can't. Why? Why? He goes, no, no, it's, come, on, it's funny, come on, it's funny, it's funny. <laughs> I go, Norm, Norm, no, it's no, no. and then to this day I don't know. And and I go, Norm, please, we no, if you do that joke in front of an audience, you, a you're going to take down.
2: The rest of the, the show, the next three shows <laughs> will be Rockefeller hurt. Center.
3: You can't do that. No. You can't. I mean, it'll take the the temperature in the in the studio down thirty degrees. There'll be like ice on people's you know beards and stuff. You can't do that. Rioting. Said, no, no, come on. It's funny. So they, he and Frank, and Frank was backing him on. And Frank Sebastiano, Sebastiano, right? Best okay. update writer ever. And he, um,
2: oh, he loves uh, it.
3: And so, and so. And Frank was not I couldn't I would look over at Frank and Frank was not he wasn't like winking or anything. And so I go, okay. so we tried it at dress and it had precisely the effect. I thought it would, although who knows about future shows. But anyway, (laughs) it was like this, like (gasps) this collective giant gasp. And then uh, so after that, Norm was willing to give it up. And then we didn't do it on air, obviously. But like years later. So that was like I'm going to say that was maybe 1996. So mm-hmm. at least 10 years later, Steve Higgins, you know, who's current producer of the show comes up to me and says, do you ever remember, and we're looking for a sound effect of an audience being like horrified, offended. <laughs> and I got, I got it. I got it. So I said, like, I directed them to that update. And I said, "Just, I'm pretty sure if you take that thing, the other thing is it will be uncorrupted by any laughter so you'll get a nice clean take of, of gasping and horror. And so they, they, they I didn't remember which show it was from. So they had to like plow through a lot of dress rehearsals, I guess. Mm-hmm. But a few hours later, Higgins said, Oh my God, we got it. And it is everything you said. So I, they use it. And I'm to this day, I'm pretty sure they have not like on a cart. So Whenever they need the sound effect of something, not just not getting a response, but getting kind of active hate, you know. Yeah, and it was that moment. Yeah,
2: yeah, he's he's got some in real life. Even his act, you know, he's we do stand up on the road, and you know, you're you're always telling rougher stuff to each other. But he was way ballsier than someone like me, as far as I do stuff that kind of rubs people wrong sometimes but his could really like he would <laughs> but pride I always himself.
3: appreciated that I know what you're talking about Dave and I know the stuff you, of yours that you're referring to but I always <laughs> loved it
2: yeah well you I were would brave. have
3: done it you just didn't have the balls I did not no but problem. when
2: we would do um when we would do the show Dana um I think you'll you'll know because you can mm-hmm. ask about uh the bush stuff but when we would do any sketch I, I don't think performers in general you're saying about Belushi love notes and if you think you're any good, which I think we all think we're pretty good on the show, at least at some level, um, insecure, but we think we have something. It's hard to take notes from people, but at SNL, it it wasn't hard because when I got to a rewrite table and I was going to get the help of everyone, you couldn't look around there and it was like the dirty dozen of great people going, I'm going to get a free joke from Conan. I'm going to get one from Downey. I'm going to get one from Schneider who does good jokes. I get uh, Jack will throw one in, Smigel. Damn. It's so it's unreal. So and Downey was the king of that. So if you can get Downey's attention for a few minutes at three in the morning, <laughs> yeah. then you're going to get it's going to be better no matter what. That, well, that goes to back to Downey
0: that. being a head writer and having everyone wanting to get his ear to get that line or get that approval or get a different take on take what you're doing. an angle, and that that's exhausting, right, Jim? Just a little well, knock
3: I will say this, and it's a shame that um that when I worked with you guys. I didn't I mean, it was all in retrospect, not that I listen for any help I may have given you guys. Mm -hmm. I I love hearing that. We're going to get into how much my heart. But um, (laughs) but I um, I realized I was much happier my first four years at the show. And when I returned to the show after my second firing, I returned (laughs) to the show in um, 2000. And at that point when I came back, I said, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to be just a regular sketch writer. I am not going to be responsible. I'm not going to be the reason someone's piece got, got on or didn't get on. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not going to be, if someone comes to me as, as a friend, one-to-one, one-on-one, just do you have any thoughts on this? I'm happy to, but I'm not going to consider it my job. And I'm going to stay completely out of all office politics and <laughs> write from home, which was important so I don't have to stay up all night. And I got to say, I was much happier during yeah. my first four years at the show and my last whatever that was, 2000 to 2012, like another 12 years. But that middle section where I knew both you guys I, when I was head writer producer, which was sort of like. It's like being a player coach and it's kind of tough, you it's know. It's tough, yeah. Uh but I mean I did and it really takes a lot of time away from from writing my own stuff which my that my only my ego is in writing yeah. so that anything that where I felt like I, I I didn't have the space to sort of go off on my own and come up with something um you know uh so I I but I did I know that I I got some junk baskets, you know, as we would call them. You know, just someone was really right there with it, and I just was able to come up yeah. with the, the best. Well, way I of give phrasing you a spe- it or specific
0: yeah. example of an uh, of something you elevated a bit that was really very silly? It was me doing George Michael on update, and mm-hmm. I had all the get up on, Faith. and it was all about look at my butt, look at my butt, and it was like my butt has magical powers. And we were doing these things about magical powers, and then you came up with the line, if you put a wilted flower near my
2: bottom, it
0: blooms.
3: (laughs) Okay, that sounds, I wouldn't, uh, that's-
0: Just a little bit, uh, an assist that took it to another level. Oh yeah,
2: Schneider (laughs) would be sleeping outside your office, and and you crack (laughs) the door to go get a cup of coffee. All right, help me with coffee machine. (laughs) And it was tough because we'd wait outside there. We'd go. We'd usually go to dinner at like that Mexican restaurant. We'd walk down, or we yeah, would right. sent me. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Or we go to Walling Josephs or whatever. And then we'd come back. And then everyone's stalling to write. And I'm like, oh. And then by the time I get notes that maybe this is something I shouldn't write, it was two thirty. And I'm like, wait, this is all I have. <laughs> so I'd go try to jump on something else and help out. But uh, can we uh, go ahead? Go ahead. I, I just thought we should give. Uh,
0: Jim, um, one of your uh, talents is political comedy, and so the we had the campaign, this is in the late 80s, so we had Dukakis, the Democrat nominee for president, versus the guy I ended up doing, Bush Sr., and there was a really great line in their debate, I didn't have a good Bush at that point, but Lovitz had that line, that just sure, sort of it's a memorable line. Yeah, well, do you
3: remember it? Well, no. I was going to say you say you didn't. Have, I thought your Bush was great. I mean, and it, it had, got better. It got but on the it got wilder over time. Well, well we should add, talk about yeah, that yeah, too because
0: yeah. <laughs> you, me, and Al, Al, and especially you, rhythmically kept extending it and i was doing lazy syntax that guy over there doing that thing and then eventually it came to and it, and i remember specifically jim saying this to me oh it's going to be na-ga-da. <laughs> yeah, na ga da yeah na ga da And how is that spelled Na-da. on the cue card oh yeah yeah N-A- that's where we... g a d a yeah ga so we did we did extend the rhythms which uh the audience went with us, you know. But yeah. the line that, I don't know who wrote that line when I, as Bush, was going all over the place, that guy down there doing that thing you know, for like a, a minute. And then Lovitz, as Dukakis says, I can't believe I'm losing to this guy.
3: Was that, 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 was, that was like you, <laughs>
0: but that was maybe franken. it was Franken. That was Franken, yeah. I'm pretty sure. But it was a great <laughs> but, line.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, it, was, it was, the idea was it was supposed to, Work both ways. That it was like a commentary on Bush, but it was also a commentary on Dukakis's uh, just got his the, confidence. Yeah. You know, he was unshakable. Yeah, yeah. He always acted like he he just you know uh, kicked ass. You know, you know. But sometimes when I would Dukakis. do George
0: Bush Senior, I would think I was going to be in trouble after I finished because I would go so out there with it. You know, I'd be like that thing guy over there, moving no, in with the Hussein
3: one. That was you. Once you established it, it was just you. If you looked at maybe the first time you did George Bush and one of the last times you did Bush, <laughs> it got very <laughs> out there with the the leap, and people would go, "I had no idea there, you know, how much it had evolved." But that mm-hmm. was just you having more and more fun, and 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 over time, and people. Who'd been watching the show certainly had no idea. You know, they they that you were just uh, leading them along. You Can took I them tell on you one journey. thing that yeah, it, that ahead.
0: that happened that would relate to this? Which was I don't know if this has happened to you, Jim, but or David. But uh, I was doing Vegas with Lovitz, and he went to a party, and he ran into Gene Kelly's widow. <laughs> this is like four years ago. <laughs> wow. And well, she Gene, said, "Okay, Gene Kelly's widow," and she said, "Tell Dana." Because he's telling me, John's telling me, that Gene loved his George Bush Sr. Every time he was on, Gene Kelly would say, Quiet, everybody, Dana's on, you know. And so
3: that wow. kind of blows my mind. That, that kind is, of stuff. See, and, that's that stuff's fantastic. Right. I mean, when you get feedback back, God, I gotta be honest with you, I I I guess I'm learning that Gene Kelly was alive into the into the uh, late
0: '80s, early '90s, but you, yeah. I, I, I had the superstar team because you and Al are different flavors of writer, yeah. And that having both of you <clears throat> and me in the center, and the three of us really created this thing that got huge. So
3: anyway, well, just we, were always, we were always we were always able, like the the thing about our openings, which I don't know if the, your audience knows that we call them cold openings because you come right up on them without any warning. First time. And and the the ideas of the studio is usually so clogged with sets because we burn a lot of sketches that are dropped after dress rehearsal Mm -hmm. still require sets and take take up space and so the ideal cold opening has to be something really simple uh, easy to do and so we that's why there's there in the in over the history of the show there've been a lot of oval office the whoever is president at the time delivering a message straight to the camera because it's something you can write on a friday night so that it can be super topical you don't have to the build moment. much yeah either. just a chair and, and it's Brooklyn. usually at yeah.
2: home base where they do the monologue correct yep
3: yep okay. and so it makes it it makes it um and like when dana was doing bush it was just something that you could you could be you know i mean we weren't we didn't have to worry about dana so, so it was just like we we figure out whatever the idea was going to be if we could think of one at all, and then and but a lot of times a lot of times Dana, throw we it did out there. send you out there <laughs> with with not a lot in terms of the script, <laughs> and we just relied on you to the red light goes on and you're going to bush it up and you know and we're going to have something. Well,
0: some sometimes I'd come in Saturday morning uh, or and you at, would, at yeah.
3: noon and then I
0: would hear we're doing a bush tonight. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's <laughs> yeah, know. sometimes it's Friday night, but sometimes it's Saturday morning. Okay. And then you and I, I guess we're but we would we things.
3: would uh we would often have to uh I don't, there weren't a whole lot of them in fairness that that you got by Wednesday or that you're we were able to do by no, Wednesday. Well they tended to be a Friday night thing. I remember one that was planned was was as remains one of my favorite Bush pieces. It was the um it was the um If if you guys remember back, he was accused of because of the Willie Horton ads and stuff of doing a lot of negative campaigning against Mm -hmm. Dukakis. So that the joke was he had won the election, you know, he he was president-elect, but they still had plenty of money left over. So they decided to do one more negative ad, you know. (laughs) And so it was the last negative ad. It was like a kind of a and, and it, was, it was you sitting with your grandkids, like eating popcorn, sort of screening oh, yeah. the negative ad. Anyway, <laughs> but that, I just remember that as one that stood out because I know we had done that for read through. And I remember mm-hmm. you were like, really? It's at read through. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
2: it's that early. Uh,
3: that that yeah. stunned
2: me. David, do you have that special stuff? <laughs> hmm. I'm always getting engaged. That's why I like Blue Nile, because every week when I go to get engaged. And I know I want to plan the perfect proposal, celebrate the love I've built this week. Uh, No, I'm kidding. But this is such a big deal to get married. And, you know, you got to do it right. BlueNile.com. They know what to do. They know it takes all the guesswork out of it for you. Totally. With Blue Nile,
0: you can create, get this, David, a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine at a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler. That's the whole hook, man.
2: Yeah, they've committed to ensuring that the highest ethical standards are observed when sourcing diamonds and jewelry. Mm-hmm. They offer a diamond price guarantee, which means they can usually meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond because, you know, you're going to spend all this money. They I like they the diamond industry made up this thing. You should spend about a year's salary or two months or eight mm-hmm. months and you go, "Should I?" You know how hard money is right. to come by. And you know, painful. The best deal. It will be yeah. when you spend way,
0: way too much. Your friend tells you about Blue BlueNile.com, and then you see that you could have got a better diamond ring for half the price. Four or less, that's yeah. Painful. Yeah, yeah. So skip the painful and make the diamond ring manifold.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly what they, that's, <laughs> that's what I said. Kind of rhymed. <laughs> Maneful. You're making a lifelong commitment. Mm-hmm. get guaranteed service and repairs for life mm-hmm. your secret's safe this is the best thing they they send your order uh, it's insured it arrives in packaging won't give it away mm-hmm. could be and anything
0: mm-hmm.
2: that could be the, that could be ruined right there
0: hey honey i wonder what this is and then she shakes it oh i don't know maybe it's a coffee cup and then she opens it up i love you honey Mm-hmm. Right now outside it says fragile
2: diamond ring
0: inside. <laughs> 100% satisfaction guaranteed
2: with guaranteed free shipping and returns with Blue Nile. Yep. Right now you can get $50 <laughs> off your purchase of $500 or more with code FLY at bluenile.com. That's $50 off with code FLY at bluenile.com. bluenile.com. You know the term Airbnb? Yeah. What's good is if like I have a place and uh I don't there's there's a place I don't stay in as mm-hmm. much. And so my first thought is I should Airbnb this thing because then you make a few beans in your jeans and you can go off and, you know, maybe buy something you wanted to buy mm-hmm. while you're not that's using it. That's like, that's earning money while you sleep,
0: using your home as an Airbnb. I have a, yeah. uh uh well, it sounds so bourgeois, an extra home kind of someplace. And so it might make a really good Airbnb,
2: seriously. Hmm. It's not a bad idea because, you know... It's easy. And then people come in, they go, you make a little cash, you move on. I mean, you travel a lot. I travel a lot. It's good for us. You know, we can, you can Airbnb your house here and then go somewhere and do it. And that's the thing is you have so much flexibility.
0: You could do it just during the summer months or just do weekends. I mean, you're in complete control. And then you make, as you call the beans while you go do yeah. other things.
2: Right, like let's say you know you're going to take a trip for a family reunion every year. You can plan ahead, take that week, and uh, Airbnb your place. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no holes in this theory right here, <laughs> you know, if you have a seasonal yeah. house. got to try it out. Listen, your place might be worth more than you think. You got to check in. You find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Also, yeah. uh, when you, when I, I left by then, so did Dana, but were you around, I think I read that you said Obama was very tough to do because no hooks. And uh, I think that is true. Dana sort of does one now. It's pretty good. But I think at the time, very dicey territory.
3: Well, part of the thing I discovered with Obama, I mean, I would have said, if I did say that, I'd probably change my mind pretty quickly because he definitely, I mean, I know Dana does a great Obama and I've seen I've seen other people do really. I mean, so he's he's not. He's a lot easier to do than say a Biden, which I consider like really close to oh, ten what? out of ten no, and it's difficulty. Not. You don't think? No. Well, Dana, oh, Dana's I, it's no. easy. Come on, I know Dana. I, I love your it. Biden.
0: Come on, I'm not kidding I'm around. Saying you can't. <laughs> I'm
3: just saying the degree <laughs> no, it's difficult. of difficulty. Yes, yes. Is an extreme. That's much harder than Obama. Yeah. No, don't you agree?
0: Yes, Obama. I only had two hooks. One was he worked his pauses so brilliantly. Yeah. We're going to do some things for the American people. Yeah. Five, four, three. To do. Because that's what we got to do. And the people go there and they're going to do. And then the other one he did was politically, which was funny and they all do it to a point. I know Biden does is talk, try to talk things into reality, you know? So during Russia's taking over Crimea, that's not, that's not that they ought not be doing that. That's not conducive <laughs> yeah. to, you know, tanks are rolling in. That's not conducive <laughs> yeah. to international relations. That's not a good thing. Shouldn't be doing yeah. that. No. no so see, those that's, were a great, t- to, that's a great uh, Obama. Yeah.
3: I'm mm-hmm. just saying that my only point was that Obama, I initially thought, like, ooh, that's, he's going to be tough. I guess maybe if I had expressed it better, I would have said there's a factor of people liked Obama. So much more than they liked any of the other people we're talking about. And also Obama is a genuinely cool guy. I mean, he... Yeah, it gets in the way of writing because he actually is really funny. It's hard to make him look like an idiot.
2: He's
0: not an idiot. No,
3: he's the funniest president. If you have seen him like at the White House Correspondents Dinner. Oh, yeah. Things like that. He's actually really funny. He destroyed Trump and then Trump ran because of that. Yeah, yeah. Roasting of Trump. Yeah, yeah. but he (laughs) so. But the audience I've discovered doesn't really like when if they think you're making fun of Obama Mm-hmm. they, they sort like of start they start sitting back with their arms across their chest going you they know tighten up a you know, bit
2: yeah
0: think again
3: well, you know like think we had again. talked <laughs> about briefly
0: just that idea of teaching or something that's overtly has a political point of view and then have doing something that has a I, using the word silly, like I would do to to break it with the audience for me, so they'd be comfortable. I would do him doing nursery rhymes. Yes, <laughs> and I would couch it as if no matter what Obama says, you can't not listen. Jack right. and Jill went up the hill to <laughs> fetch a pail of water. Jack <laughs> came down, and Jill fell down. <laughs>
3: That is that is a great insight because, yes, an audience will it's be more perfectly, harmless. Yeah, well, perfect. But it's when they feel that you're criticizing him in some way. Yes. Even when, even you feel when you're Trump? not right. See, Trump, I I missed the entire Trump thing because I left the show uh in the spring of 20 my, the may 2013 was my last show mm-hmm. and i was never Is there, there a coyote
2: for, in your house there's there's not a, a, a
3: little a little doggy oh we'll just have to ride it out uh <laughs> oh. it's, it's it's part of the charm dog. factor
2: it's a charm um, i thought he'd say something like i'll make it stop
3: <laughs> that dog that dog's gotta go that I dog's gotta go I, i'm afraid i can't <laughs> do anything about uh, the dog will stop barking in a second after the danger is passed. <laughs> but <laughs> the, 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 dog,
0: the dog, didn't like my Obama impression. That was a problem. No, no. The dog the, is offended by my
3: Obama. <laughs> tulip is a fan of all your work. Tulip, I didn't name the dog. It's So it's go ahead. My you weren't, there during, you, you you weren't, weren't were there, there during for, Trump. You weren't there for you mean for the Baldwin Trump. I wasn't there for the Baldwin Trump. I mean, they. The way they um, see Trump was the exact opposite of the way the show treated Obama. I mean, the show went the the show was absolutely everyone. There was a huge Obama fan. So there was not going to be anything really critical of Obama. You could put him in certain situations where he got to be funny, sort of shitting on Republicans or else. If if it was there were certain things I wrote a a thing with Seth Meyers. Where um there's Obama meeting with the Premier of China and and the and the the, the Chinese premier was just busting in on you owe us money, you know. So and it was the translator. So so it was it was Will Forte who was fucking brilliant in that piece. God, he's, I love Will Forte. Yeah, I love him. He, he's, he did like this. He did um, I can't think of the the, the uh, was it the same premier anyway at the Chinese uh, premiere and, and uh, Nassim Pedrad was the translator. And you guys probably know that I love to write pieces where someone's <laughs> translating for someone else. It's sort of a, funny, been a thing yeah. of mine ever since the Spanish game show back in like uh-huh. 1978. And anyway, yeah. so it was um, Nassim Pedrad's doing the translating and and the guy would speak in, China, uh, in Chinese and Chinese and be like, when are we getting our money? <laughs> and then obama would like uh you know and it's like and then the premier oh, would, would speak yeah. and she would translate like um mm-hmm. um uh, 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 uh does does the premier look like mrs obama does it and you go what you go does the premier look like mrs obama then why are you trying to do sex to him. You know, That <laughs> so was all kind of we want our money, you know. And anyway, so that we were able to I do love that because guy. we weren't able it. We, we didn't play as like we were critical of Obama. But yeah, the, the last piece, fun. the last political piece I ever wrote, I came back. It was an idea I had in like the summer of like it was before Trump. So it must have been like 2014. I had a I had an idea and I called up Lauren and said, "Hey, can I t- turn in a, an idea for cold opening?" And it was Obama talking about ISIS. And uh, he, this is when Obama had been in all of his speeches, he kept saying, "Like now, there is no connection between ISIS and the na- the religion of Islam." That's just that's not that's not a thing I would ever say, you know. It's there's no connection, and so. It was the idea. The premise was Obama addressing the nation, saying that he just he'd been doing some thinking and he realized there's a huge connection
4: <laughs> between <laughs> ISIS and Islam.
3: And if you think about it, I mean, there's one on the, the side. There's the whole thing with the, you know, with with the sh- Allah Akbar. I hadn't thought about that at the time. But that's that's pro. And so anyway, it played. And so I remembered. It was very popular with you know Frank and other people I showed it mm. to, and and we did it, and I remember showing it to a friend of mine, uh, Lawrence O'Donnell, who who you know has the law oh, yeah. on MSNBC yeah. was a college roommate of mine and 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 he and I showed it to him and he says, I think they're going to think you're making fun of Obama. I said, but no, it's silly. It's silly. It's more, oh, no. it's more making fun of, of sticking to that idea that like, cause it was kind of silly to keep insisting. Absolutely. That, oh, you know, ISIS has nothing to do nothing at all. I <laughs> yeah. tell you. And so, <laughs> and so, you. and, and he was right. It played to absolute silence. Wow. And, 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 and kind of surprised people at the show. Uh, cause I got to say, I mean, I don't know i might not be the best judge of it but i i thought it was pretty funny had some good jokes and i don't remember those jokes so i would share them with you but but it played the absolute silence and so i realized yeah. that that was that's a bit of a third rail if you're going to do obama you have to but i remember pitching he, he came to the show when he was a candidate and um he there was we were in a long line in the hallway Cause the secret service, you know, they wanted, you know, space to be able to, they sort of blocked off the hallway we we're like lined up, shaking his hand. It was like a receiving line. And I remember he's going along sort of, you know, a, a word with each guy. And then I say like, uh, you know, I, I grew up in Joliet and he like, he starts to, like an arrow hitting a thing and uh-huh. quivering and everything. he just stops dead. And then gave me like three or four minutes. Right because uh and so and he was showing off his knowledge of joliet which is impressive i have to say really you know so have you been you know i was down at six quarters on larkin i go yeah (laughs) you know and anyway so upstairs (laughs) later we were he was going to do something on the show and i'd written something for him and and i i know this would be more effective as a story if i remembered exactly what it was but And I watched him laugh as he read it. He was chuckling to himself and then just said, (laughs) of course, you know, I can't do this, right? (laughs) And I said, well, I was Uh, afraid you might think that. So for for our next podcast, I will dig up that thing. I know I didn't throw it away, but, you know, there was something about Obama was a guy who you knew. He's basically a funny guy, so you can at least pitch stuff to him. But like when McCain did the show, There My was friends. you came the Obama bit. Try to get it on, McCain. <laughs> no, no, but McCain, <laughs> McCain had this thing where, and people have sort of forgotten this aspect of his career. But he was, um, like, a scourge of wasteful government spending. So, David, yes. you would know this from Arizona, seeing sure. ads and stuff. He I don't would really. um, <laughs> so, yeah, but he was always talking about my friends. Um, my friends. This is, why are we what is this makes no sense at all. And yeah. anyway, he um, <laughs> so I had this thing where he was just complaining about wasteful spending. And, and one of the one of the jokes, almost my favorite joke in the piece was um, was. Uh, um, and what about this, my friends, a government program that warns convicted child molesters when a 10 year old boy moves into their neighborhood. What is the point? I mean, I don't understand $40 million for this program. And it's not even the money. It's not even the money. I would be against it if it were free and, but forty billion million. Friends. Dollars. And so, and so he goes, and he goes, and he goes ah, no, this is funny. I don't know about every joke in it. And so uh, like 10 minutes later, like this terrified aide comes up to me and goes, um, "The pe- this thing about the child molester. I mean that that's that's not in the piece, right? I mean that that that's not going to be in the piece." <laughs> and I go, "Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't object." He goes, "No, no, no. That that's that's not oh, in the piece." God. And then the same guy would would appear like every like half an hour <laughs> to go, "Like that's that's still not in the piece, right? <laughs> it's right. that's that's not in the piece anyway." Well, you know, I find that. You, of course everyone by the way, thought trump I, I went for, to cards and put it in the piece <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> no, went no, rogue I didn't. again
0: <laughs> don't you yeah, think bro. i mean maybe we should finish with this because you also uh i, I find people laugh at re- republicans more easily like i would do george Absolutely. soviet bush in Absolutely. texas they'd go crazy uh trump supporters hardcore supporters laughing their ass off at trump but you and will farrell and um and Daryl, Daryl Hammond, you know, hooked up for that debate stuff. And you, yes, you, yes. you came up, of course, famously with a word that sort of defined George W. Bush in the year the 2000. So what? Oh, yeah. Strategy. I remember that. Yeah. Of
3: so, course. Well, that was, uh, sorry.
0: Farrell's great I, I, anyway. That was great. I had to take it further in my stand-up act because you guys were writing so funny. I just finally went to to the nth degree with w like bod glass all americans we're gonna potech feed them here at home and on <laughs> abroad irridiculous erase credence clearwater or colored balloons you know i just had to go insane but we'll we'll own that and he was brilliant at it and so yeah. was daryl's gore was great
3: yeah you know, daryl daryl um yeah. that was a case of with daryl's gore was a was a real um, You know, Daryl's very serious about his, polit- especially his political his impressions. And he yeah. he, he breaks them down to like the little phonemes and little, mm-hmm. and it'll say like, I've seen this. I noticed this thing where Gore does kind of a uh,
0: <laughs> thing with, <and laughs> when he sang yeah, he's saying yellow
3: scientist. or something. And like these really like, they're like, like 10 decimal place kind of observations, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I would come at him with a, with a, a more like a wide scale kind of wide focus kind of thing, like or wide angle, maybe it's what I'm searching for. But, but like, I remember I had noticed that, uh, the way Gore had that rhythm where I go, uh, Jim, uh, in my plan, but in <laughs> yeah, yeah. his plan, and they had that kind of, and I remember working with him was like, me working from one end of the continuum and him from the other and meeting in the middle. And I I was really um it 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 wasn't I mean uh, I did, you know, have a lot to do with his impression. I loved writing for that character. And uh in a way, I would have probably had more fun in a way if he had been elected, just because it mm-hmm. was I always thought Gore was inherently interesting and, and weird. Oh. He was a Tennessee gentleman,
0: as well. Look at it, because I would do it for my wife, and I'm just doing this, and she <laughs> yes. goes, and she thinks it's so exaggerated. It's like, well, I take Umbridge Con, madam. He's a Tennessee gentleman, and that that was kind of my key into
3: it. No, but, no, and that that is exactly right. And but I mean, you, it should be a little exaggerated. I mean, you have, I, I that, you have so. a right to, yeah. You you identify yeah. that 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 kind of sibilant thing and thing. then you have every right to accentuate it you know yeah, take it I mean, the, this, this planet game. is getting hot I shit you not that's my <laughs> anyway so <Sorry>. okay Jim <laughs> my, last, swear words. my
2: last two David things David has his final question
3: no wait a part. why are we wrapping this up this is going great it's going great it's going it's going to be a two-parter
2: so you get extra one is okay I was trying to look over all the great ones you'd written or had a hand in but but uh Chippendales is one of the all time. Change bank Chippendale There's so many that you were there, that we
3: were there. Tell for. the
0: Chippendale story or your are cause that, well, that was a you know, that's a top
3: ten well, this, for a lot this of people. Absolutely the ties into David Spade. So I I I hope I'm right about this. Yeah, about and uh, I should ask uh, David, my memory. Okay. My memory is that you arrived. For the fall of ninety, spring of ninety-one season, yes or no?
2: Uh, yes and no. I did four shows with Rob at the end of the year with Dice Clay, Candace Bergen, so eighty-nine, Alec Baldwin. Yeah, then okay. I came back and we and Farley and Rock joined, and that was our first official okay. like year. So
3: that's that's that was what, ninety
2: ninety-one or something. And then because because I, I, I had been
3: talking to our our friend Robert Smigel, and he had looked it up and said like, no, David arrived after Farley. And no, I said, no, no. I, I remember him. I thought so I, I walked had been over convinced, with him. Yeah. I had been convinced by Robert. I love Robert, but when trickery. it comes to dates, he doesn't know what the hell <laughs> he's talking about. Mm. He had been convinced that you had come after Farley. So that kind of does queer this story a little bit. But but I I, you know, I I I, I know that I've, I've said this to, to Dana that I um, I one time made the mistake when I, I I didn't get my first computer until uh, this week well no 2013 <laughs> was the first time I ever used a computer <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and I had been given an absolute state-of-the-art MacBook Pro by Lauren as a present there in 2004. Go. And it didn't come out of the shrink wrap until for nine years. <laughs> and so <laughs> by which time it was no longer state of the art. But yeah. so the first time I had done a different interview for a different project, it was for this, this book, um, Poking a Dead Frog. It was an with comedy writers. And, and, and anyway, so I was the one I wanted to see something about the book. So I Googled it and then I see my name and I sort of click on that. And my name was mentioned in a nasty review where the guy especially went after me. And so, and that was the experience was so upsetting that I vowed, I will never again click on anything I might see in my, and, and even someone like me, I'm not nothing like you guys, but you know, there I have like a Wikipedia page. And so I've never looked at it because oh, I saw to it. me, it's like Medusa, you know, I dare not look at it. So I occasionally will ask my son to, <laughs> so. um, Would you check my Wikipedia page, see if there's anything I need to worry about? Mostly it's just inaccuracies, but occasionally there's been stuff that definitely is problematic. But so anyway, I extended this for the most part to anything on YouTube. Although if it's a piece that I wrote, I'm willing to look at that piece now and again. But they only recently put the Chippendales piece up on YouTube, it hadn't been up there for wow. a long time. I'm pretty sure. And such, I was such looking at, one. I was looking at like, like Ricky Gervais or something, you know, I, w- I wasn't even looking at a Saturday night live thing. And then I see in the right hand column, you know, all the suggestions yeah. and there's um, Chippendales. like Holy shit. I haven't looked at this since, since it aired.
2: It does probably. that on Pornhub too. So this was, mm. this
3: is like 20, it was from 1990. So that's going to be, like 20 years at least. So I look at the piece, and th- these pieces never, you, I, I, that's one of the reasons I don't look at them much is because they always, they're never as good as you might remember them. Uh, and, and sometimes much worse than that. But I, but it was, in this case, it was the comments, and the comments were like 90 better than 90% savage. They oh, really? Hated they what? hated huh. it. No, no. They fucking hated it. And all of it, was about how cruel, how awful, how evil, how, and you, come on, you guys have to back me up on this. Sometimes it was all we could do to get Farley to keep his clothes on.
0: (laughs) What is say? Break that down. Rewrite
3: meeting. Okay. So. So anyway, the their point was <laughs> he could just run, like, run into uh, what, what what goes through the mind of a writer what to think sicko. it's funny, it's it's funny to make poor Chris Farley yeah. uh, take his clothes off for this sketch. It's just humiliating someone over something he can't help. And so and, and the only reason I would have done the thing is because Farley was so he loved doing that for so comedy. naked, he, I mean, you know, yeah. He, he loved getting it anyway. So, but David, here's where you come into the story. Fine, so, and so I'm reading like comment after comment because I, I kept reading because I'm hoping it's going to turn around, you know, in the flow and that someone's going to, hey, let me stick up for the piece. It didn't <laughs> happen, and so and so I get to like comment 14, and then there's this guy who comes in and is like, okay, you guys want the story? Yeah, I got the story. So Here's the, here's the story. I happen to know some people who shared it with me. David Spade was walking down the hall oh. in Saturday Night Live, and he hears <laughs> sobbing coming from Chris Farley's office. Mm-hmm. So he goes in and goes, Chris, what's the matter? And Farley's at his desk just crying his eyes out. And, and David goes, Chris, something wrong? What's happened? And they go, like, is and your Farley... spaghetti
2: not here yet? <laughs>
3: Farley, Farley through his tears is (laughs) saying, (laughs)
2: they
3: want me to do this piece and it's so humiliating and I, I just don't want to do it, but I'm terrified I'll be fired if I don't do the piece. And David says, what, what piece do they, what is this? They want me to be naked in this Chippendale male stripper piece. And of course, the person obviously doesn't know that you would be fully aware of the piece. Like, <laughs> this is a that read-through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, so, uh, according to the story, you read the script just oh, aghast. Yeah. And as you're going through a page, you oh, my God, oh, my God. Every page, it got worse. I know. So, then you said, Chris, stay right here. You marched down to Lauren's office and said, if you air that piece, I quit. Wow. You can have my job. It's not worth it. If you're going to do this kind wow. of thing, they my friend Chris Farley. And people are going, oh my God, that's so great. It's like Spade seems like a great guy. Yeah. Then <laughs> I, <laughs> I,
2: I walk back and they go, uh, I go, hey, Lauren doesn't want to talk to me. So I guess you're going to have to do it. <laughs> I have no juice here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> in, the, in the fall of 1990. That might have been the response. But, <laughs> Is any of but that
0: anyway. true, David? Is any of that true? <laughs> Is any of that true? Um, did, did you go to Lauren's office?
2: No, to I, know that, okay. uh, I know that Chris loved that sketch and I was standing very close watching it going, I didn't, I, I knew it was like a 10 out of 10. I didn't know that it would have the impact for years and years of like one of the best ever. And he was so pumped. It was pretty early on. Where it solidified him as like such with a Patrick star. Swayze,
3: yeah. There's no way, the way he leaned into it, threw oh, himself loved into that it. piece, that if there had been any, has, believe me, I never would do a piece where I felt like I was mm. asking some person to be humiliated. But Farley just was said, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll do it. I'm not. Oh you know, my he God. Loved doing yeah. it. And, and one of the things, I really think that's what sort of bonded him with the audience. That was his fourth show. But he
2: didn't care. Oh, it was his fourth show. Care. See, I yeah, knew yeah, it. It, it, was it was early. It was early yeah, on. And it was like, anyway, whoa. The,
3: the reason I started yeah. by asking you, David, if you remember precisely when you came, was because I was talking to, to Robert Smigel uh this past summer, I suppose. And and I mentioned this experience of like, man, I, I I made the mistake. Maybe it wasn't a mistake, but I I read the comments on Chippendales and whoa boy. It was like better than nine to one against. It was like, I have very few friends on that comment thread, you know? And so, and he goes, well, let me check. So he I, he's tapping something out on his computer. He goes like, okay, David Spade didn't even start at the show <laughs> until like, it was another three shows after Chippendales, after Swayze. Are you serious? Really? And he goes, yeah, that's so that next time you read a comment, that's, but of course, <laughs> as it turns out, Robert was wrong.
2: Well, you know, Jim, another side story is when I went to, rewrite or you know how the tuesday night the host gets trotted around and we get to yeah, talk yeah, to him all yeah. the writers so he was in the writer's room by himself and i was coming down the hallway and it was like midnight and there was a pr person and i said hey uh hey and i start to go and she goes hi uh can i help you and i go oh i just want to talk to patrick and she goes and you are <laughs> and i go uh, david's face she goes and what is this regarding and i go I'm just a writer I just want to. And she goes Oh it's so He's, he's so crazy right now uh, Wait a minute And I go He's just reading People Magazine I can see him And she <laughs> goes Yeah it's, it's a little nuts right now If you can come back later And that's how I started Receptionist Are you
3: telling me That was the genesis yeah. of that? Mm-hmm.
2: Holy and that was Swayze's show Which was I didn't write Holy it that shit. week I
3: Holy shit I wish you'd have told me that story I the Oh man that's David Spades wow. I know you've been yes, hogging This I'm podcast the whole time But well. this one <laughs> David you've had so many years to tell me that. I know okay. no that's isn't that
2: funny that that that's how that I knew for fantastic. sure I was there hysterical and <laughs> uh, but Farley it just to put it to bed was Love that sketch! Crushed in it. Heard about it forever. Patrick Swayze was great in it. Nealon was funny. I mean, I think it was, was it Nealon and Jan Hooks? When you were well, didn't you write when it was like Adrian Barney, and then uh, <laughs> yes. and then Barney <laughs> keeps making faces at and it, like Barney Barney. It's over. It's <laughs> okay. over. Like yeah. he's still I was trying like, to no, win. Barney,
3: Barney, our decision's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, but no. The the um, by the way, let me just say, not only was it did was the in the impetus or the impulse to do that piece it was because patrick swayze was the host and you look at swayze and you go and he's a dancer and it's a dancer right it's a
2: perfect written thing for a host too
3: yeah the idea that was he loved it that that, that i was sitting there going like how can i exploit farley's (laughs) overweightness and how can i get that on the air how can we put a
2: sketch around it humiliation start with
0: humiliation no i think i did one that was
3: worse with Chris, what
0: was that? But it it, it it never blew up like this one because Chris was game for anything. Was it the spaceship? Better than anybody, but I I don't remember the exact. Oh, but I remember I was Ross Perot. Chris was in it. Maybe Franken wrote it. But by the end, I'm mm. riding Chris. He's kind of and he's and I'm going. I'm going to ride you, piggy boy. Come on now, oh, piggy boy. Here's, here's you know. So uh, that why? one.
2: You should be was canceled. La- I
0: was even asking Chris, is this okay? And he was just laughing his ass he, off. He
2: doesn't care about anything. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Okay, Dana, you, you like to kick back and relax every now and then, correct? Of course. You know, it's like, all work, no play, makes Jack a dull boy.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you know what? You don't want relaxing? My heart
0: surgeon? The pilot on my next flight? The guy with the nuclear
2: codes? <laughs> no, those are good answers. The correct answer mm. is your money. If you have money to invest, you want it to be working hard for you. Mm. You know me, David. You know I'm with you on that. That's what the Betterment Automated Investing and Savings app is for. It's a simple way for you to give money a swift kick in the butt. Your money. I'm listening. I'm not quite sure how they do it, but apparently automated technology is optimizing your investments without you doing a thing. You just relax. Not only that, but your money can earn. 11 times the national average in a high-yield cash account.
0: Well well, 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 wait a minute. No, wait. you're telling me that I can be earning mm. 11 times more? more than the than national
2: th- average. Yep, that's what they say.
0: Jeez, 11 times is,
2: well, let's more than 10 times, which is a lot. Where do I sign up? Okay, but- you visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at betterment.com Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed, cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. It's time to get Betterment. I'm Jack. <laughs> <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
0: If you had one extra hour a day in your life, what would you do? Take a nap,
2: go for a run, read a yep. book, yep, or watch Wayne's World. i would do crunches and watch wayne's world (laughs) okay you know
0: a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time the question is time for what right
2: Ah. if time was unlimited how would you Mm -hmm. use
0: it Mm -hmm.
2: you know therapy can help find what matters to you so you can do more Mm -hmm. things that matter to you you have to sort of pinpoint it then you can take some action
0: yes i actually had therapy Mm-hmm. I still do it occasionally. And uh, it just kind of checks your thoughts, organizes your thoughts. We all get into negative thinking especially or these too days, much, oh especially God. in this crazy world. So I do think that therapy is very useful. And you know, for one hour, you can reset some of your thinking and your
2: lifestyle, David. I've uh, done therapy. No one believes it, but I have. You're like, well, you need more. Because you're good enough,
0: you're smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like like. like you.
2: Yep. If you're thinking of starting therapy, um, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your Mm -hmm. schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist. That's important. Mm -hmm. Switch therapist anytime if you don't feel like it's vibing with you. Mm -hmm. No charge. Yep. Yeah, And it really can sort of organize your thoughts or organize your life you can mm-hmm. maybe get you out of a hole which everybody gets in
0: yeah um, learn to make time for what makes you happy with better help
2: visit com slash f-o-t-w today and get 10 percent off your first month
0: that's better help hel com slash f-o-t-w
2: All right, uh, Jim, before we go, and I, I know you got a million things to do, but this last thing is from me <laughs> and Dana. We both know that for the people that don't realize uh, how much you've done on the show, um, Dennis Miller actually said you were the second most important person in the history of SNL behind Lorne. And I thought that was great until he said I was a third. It. Yeah. So um, <laughs> God he's God love second it. most now,
0: important guy in the fucking building. Fucking
2: <laughs> yeah, it is true. You you were uh, yeah. such a big part of that in Letterman, but this thing that lives on for you, lucky for you, you're in memes on Instagram all the time. Is Billy Madison? Uh, you gave the yeah. greatest speech, and I think did you help write all of Billy Madison, or did you throwing jokes, or do you just get I, that part? Only only
3: that part, only that part. And I was up in um, Toronto, um, not not very effectually, but but I was asked to to you know work on on tommy boy and i was up there with fred wolf and and um um i'm pretty sure that's when this was unless yeah I'm they shot
2: the same summer
3: okay and so and so uh, uh adam uh asked me if if i would do this thing and it's funny that we're talking about the genesis of things well the the thing about Farley, if you guys remember, that's what I always used to say to Farley when he would speak at a writer's <laughs> meeting. I would go, you go like, what about that? I would go like, uh, thanks, Chris. Everyone's now dumber. Uh, <laughs> Are you proud of yourself? <laughs> and he I would hope love you're that. happy. Are you proud and and I, I, So I, I channeled that when I was, uh, I was <laughs> rewriting that, that part. And I, I made sure. So that was, whenever I hear that thing comes back, and it, it is a popular, of, of all the things I've ever done, in my life, probably that is the one that I that comes back at me the most. Our producer Greg
0: Holdsman, says it's an important part of his childhood. So, what what is it? so? Just set the scene real quickly, and then what your line that is now remembered? It was kind of long, though, though, right? It wasn't
2: just that.
3: Well, it's well it funny. was
2: the punch punch
3: I, line. I I'll the tell end you, the funniest it. the funniest time it ever came back at me. I was at my college twenty fifth reunion. And I was doing a little presentation where I showed clips from the shows and both of you guys are represented. You'll be oh. glad to know. And um, so it was my Harvard 25th reunion. And I'm standing there and uh, I was there's a sort of a, a like a, it wasn't exactly backstage. It was actually outside, but it was kind of like a courtyard. And I were going to I was going to be introduced and come out and I was sort of pacing, like going over what I was going to say. And I look over and about as beautiful a girl as I've ever seen in my life. And David, if you'd seen this girl, you would have been <laughs> all over that. But she was this tall, beautiful, <laughs> blonde girl brings me. And into she, 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 well, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, so well, David, you know, over. he's a man about town. Yeah. Okay.
3: But, but Dana, Dana was our, he was our player and remains our player. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so this girl comes <laughs> over to me and it's like, she actually sort of like sauntered sexually over to me and it was like, like a James Bond movie scene. She, she grabs my ear and whispers sexily into my ear uh, the entire speech from Billy Madison. But <laughs> she had it word perfect. And I, I, didn't, I didn't remember it myself. This was 1999. So it was like, you know, five or six years after the movie came out. I didn't even remember it myself except the parts about uh, everyone. It was like at no point. <laughs> and, what, and you're rambling incoherent did you, were you even close to anything that could um, that resembled a and i don't remember see <laughs> something point i award you no points and everyone in this room is now dumber for having heard it i award you no points <laughs> and, and may god have mercy on your soul yeah and and that's it <laughs> that she does the whole thing perfectly and then her father who was my classmate steps out from a pole. Ah, we got you. This is my daughter, my daughter, Claire. Oh. And I, it's just such a, such a bizarre experience to this day. Um, yeah. That's, that was so such a So for people have seen
0: the movie that are listening, Adam Sandler's character gives a speech in the gym and it's horrible. <laughs> and then Jim critiques it and it gets the last line is, may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> may God have mercy just on for your giving an
3: uncoordinated yeah. speech,
0: basically. Wow. <laughs> and of then, and is then,
3: classic. and then, um, uh, Steve Buscemi is up in the stands with a high powered rifle and <laughs> he shoots Brad Bradley Whitford, oh, the yeah, bad the, guy, the, the bad guy. And uh, that was no, that was a lot of a lot of great people in that uh, in that movie. Norm was um, in a
0: reaction shot. And
3: that's right. We got that was a fun uh, hang that that uh, uh, that summer.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it was called Billy Madison, and we were called Billy the Third. Do you remember that? And, uh, and the, t- the Turners named the movie Billy the Third a Midwestern uh, Tommy Boy. That was what it was, was called. And then when Billy Madison was shooting, we were shooting, we're like, oh, shit, he's going to come out first. We can't use Billy twice. Two SNL, you know, all on SNL. I
3: did not. I did never realize. That. I thought when you said Billy the Third, I thought you were saying like it was my third priority that summer. <laughs> no, it was. <laughs> oh, no. Bi-
2: and they were and they were uh, shooting, and we were shooting, and then I was like, "Fuck!" So we couldn't come up with Tommy Boy for a while because Billy the Third was it was Billy, and then turned into Tommy, and then I think Brian Denny just called him Tommy Boy, and and then I didn't even like Tommy Boy at the beginning. I go, ah, I don't know about that one, but now he's kind of stuck, and now I like it, but. That was why, because Billy was taken. We both wrote a movie with Billy in the same summer. We shot. I
3: remember. I remember. I got roped into that because I, I had Lauren had wanted me very badly to to work on the script, and I, I you know, I, I, I think a couple of my ideas re- remained, but it was really Fred, and and um, I thought actually the funniest things in the movie were were you and Fred, and and um. Uh, but anyway, there was a, a, an arbitration with the Writers Guild because oh, yeah. I think, I think uh, whether or not the question is whether or not to share for Fred to get part screen credit. Yeah. I, I said, I don't deserve it and I don't need it and don't worry about me. But I remember that I was it was the first time I was ever involved in, in the craziness of that the committee. You know, they, yeah, they, they award huge points to the names of the characters. And I go, who the fuck cares oh, what a character's wow, name man. is unless I it's like, well, no, but who had the idea to call the guy, you know, uh, Brad Hartman? And I go, well, okay, <laughs> that, that wasn't me. Oh, <laughs> really? Oh, that's Because with you, he was Andy Barnett.
2: Jim, I remember oh, okay. one scene you wrote in Tommy Boy that stuck with everyone. It was where Farley took off his shirt and said, look how fat I am.
3: <laughs> okay. <laughs> that
0: one
2: I was try- I was
3: mad at him. You were I always fashion- thinking you guys him. would do that. it.
2: I don't know if it made the <laughs> final cut, but I go, This is Jim's, you have to do it. Um <laughs>
3: And yeah. none of us, didn't you threaten to quit? And, and the we studio all laughed said, at him, no, no. And then
2: I was the one that cried and said, why is Farley on so much? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: it's because the, the, the Q ratings just came in. Um, uh, anyway. David,
3: everyone knows you did all you could to keep that out. So.
2: <laughs> well, Jim, thank you. I guess we'll we'll go. But you're well, fucking stud. You guys. We love you. Uh, everyone I love talks you highly Jim of you.
3: Jim Downey, the one and only. Let's, let's not let this be the only time we get together. You know. Uh no. We'll David, be doing now that David, I got your phone number. I know. I tricked them into giving it to me, I and I it. know it's yours because of the outgoing message. So oh, I'm, yeah, not gonna, I'm not going to say it. You don't worry so about it, that. It's funny, <laughs> you know. But I I was not able. It took me a long ass time to. You no, know, yesterday was rocks was rock's birthday. Did you call him? And well, I tried to because I don't have an up to date number for him. So so I I um, Marcy Klein who I was texting with texted me like, um, hey, um, you know it's Chris Rock's birthday, and it's funny because I just had dinner Sunday night with Tim Meadows. And Tim told me, well, my birthday was yesterday and Rock's is coming up. So I I was aware and I know Marcy Klein talks to Chris all the time. And so and so Marcy had sent me a text about something else. I go, hey, um, and she goes, and, you know, it's Chris Rock's birthday. And I go, hey, well, send me send me his number. Uh I'll text him. Happy birthday. And then there's like nothing. There's no response. And then then I get a text like, I'll hook you up. I'll hook you up with him. Meaning she doesn't want. Be the She doesn't want to give me his phone. He loves number. you. So I just I just texted her back saying, you know, maybe after I've been at the show a few more years, you know. By the way, Jim, this is me. like
2: it's back then. It's me and you and Dana talking, <laughs> like we're Wally yeah. Joseph's. <laughs> I saw Rock the night, Meadows, and Marcy Klein. This is like we're all talking still from
3: however long ago. You know, ago. We, um, we we have did a want, bond. we didn't want to bond make bond you
0: nervous, that, Jim, but the actual working title for this podcast is The Hot Seat. But we uh, didn't want to let you know. We didn't that have enough
2: gotcha moments. I'm glad, unfortunately. I'm glad
3: you. I did not know that because I would have <laughs> I, been a I fucking nervous wreck.
2: No, Jim, you're <laughs> great. I know that. Anything did not you know say that. is interesting about old SNL, and everyone loves to hear it. Um, but uh, we'll yeah. talk soon, Enjoyable. and thank you for coming. Really. Oh, we're going to be Jim, we'll talking talk soon. We're going to be oh, talking. All right, guys. I will be on the call phone. you in five That's minutes. Okay, okay, bye guys. Bye guys. Thank you, Jim. Bye bye. Hey, what's up, flies? What's up, fleas? What's up, people that listen? We want to hear from you and your dumb questions. Questions, ask us anything. Anything you want. You can email us at flyonthewall at cadence13.com. Hey, Alex. Alex May.
0: Alex wants to know what your experience was like living in New York City back in the SNL days. Figured you were at 30 Rock all the time, but curious what New York stories you've got and whether you
2: liked it or not. He loves our show. That's like a 45-minute answer. I know. That is a small book. It's <laughs> yeah. like a 100-pager. When I got out there, I was uh, – my brother, Andy, and Katie, they they lived up in the Upper West Side, so I moved up there. And mm-hmm. I didn't really know anyone. And a lot of people live in the Upper West Side. Dana Carvey, Dennis Miller, Mike Myers. And where were you? I was like 84th and mm-hmm. West End. And mm-hmm. so I had a dinky little dump and – it was tough living up there. I'm from Arizona, so the living in through the winters and not, my hair got brown within minutes. What happened is my hair was always white because <laughs> I was in the sun, always in Arizona. And then in New York, it's only sunny for about 10 minutes a day because the sun goes between the buildings and it comes oh, straight yeah. down no, no, on you. And your, the winters, and then it's shadowy, yeah. it's freezing. So hair got dark, didn't eat well, and l- love New York, but the experience was really just being in the building. We didn't do anything other than that. Well, first of all, I was there before I did
0: SNL. I worked in Rockefeller Center in 1981 with Mickey Rooney and Nathan Lane. And I got an apartment on Lexington Avenue. And they told me that Robert Redford edited Ordinary People in the apartment. And I said, yeah, right. Six years later, I'm doing a movie with Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas. The director says, oh, I was a editor. I, I edited Ordinary People with Robert Redford. Where'd you edit it at? And that was The Apartment. We can cut that wow. one. Here's one thing for a California. Oh, I like that. That's Here, a real answer. I, these are long stories. But um, the you'd go to a movie, and it's like 65. You'd come out of the movie, and it's 25. I'd never experienced Degrees, that. Degrees, yeah. Yeah. Getting cabs. Like, I didn't have a car service anytime so just getting to snl on saturday yeah if it was snowing very weird. trying to get cabs was really difficult i would say experientially rockefeller center is just uh the coolest the weirdest kind of almost haunting building all the history of it and uh there's nothing like being in new york city doing well on saturday night live that's the most intense thing you could have and you know i don't know if i'm the first one to think of this but if you can make it there um you can make it anywhere in where, new york yeah, yeah new york new york i mean it's uh mm-hmm. you know these old vagabond shoes you know i had should um, i start spreading that news <laughs> you know i think that's a good idea um new york new york Just let me tell you thank
2: you alex That was a great question. Thank you. Fly on the Wall has been a presentation of Cadence 13. Please listen, then rate, review, and follow all episodes. Executive produced by Dana Carvey and
0: David Spade, Chris Corcoran of Cadence 13, and Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment. Production and engineering led by Greg Holtzman, Richard Cook, Serena Regan and Chris Basil of Cadence 13.